0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 53rd Annual Convention of the American Council of the Blind.
0: Welcome to ACB Reports for August 2014. In mid-July, the American Council of the Blind met in Las Vegas, Nevada for its 53rd annual conference and convention. During the opening assembly on Sunday evening, July 13th, Kim Charlson delivered her first report as the organization's president. This month, ACB Reports brings you highlights from her address.
1: As you know, in 2011, ACB commenced working on the problem of the inaccessibility of information on prescription drug labels with the introduction of H.R. 4087, the Accessible Prescription Drug Labeling Promotion Act. The original bill language was incorporated into S3187, the Food and Drug Administration Safety and Innovation Act, which passed and became law in July 2012. The bill language called for the establishment of a working group comprised of representatives of the blind and aging communities along with pharmacies under the auspices of the US Access Board. ACB was ably represented on this group by past President Mitch Pomerantz, as well as by Annette Carter, who represented CCLVI. The group developed a comprehensive best practices document for pharmacies to ensure that people who are blind or visually impaired have access to prescription drug label information. The National Council on Disability was also charged with coordinating an awareness campaign in cooperation with the members of the working group to inform the public of those best practices as directed by the Act. In addition, the Inspector General was to initiate a review in 18 months to assess the extent to which pharmacies are allowing these best practices and working with them on the degree of barrier prevention for prescription label containers remain. I am profoundly disappointed that the National Council on Disability has failed to promulgate an awareness campaign in this area. In fact, over the past year, the Council met exactly one time with representatives from the blind and low vision communities, and then only to ask for ideas on how to conduct outreach. To our knowledge, the Inspector General's audit isn't even in the planning stage. ACB will be reaching out to NCD to determine what it plans to do on behalf of blind and low-vision individuals on this crucial issue. Since I'm discussing access to prescription information, we can't forget the tremendous work being done by our attorneys, the queens of structured negotiation... Lainey Feingold and Linda Dardarian. Right before last year's convention, ACB announced a structured negotiation settlement with Weight Watchers International to make its websites, mobile applications, and print information more accessible and inclusive for its members and subscribers with visual impairments. Weight Watchers adopted the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines as its accessibility standard for both web and mobile applications and has made substantial enhancements to its websites and mobile devices to meet this standard. Weight Watchers also strengthened its system of providing Braille, large print, and audio versions of print information to members with visual impairments. Weight Watchers worked with ACB and Weight Watcher members and subscribers with vision loss on these accessibility initiatives. Now in the area of prescription drug label information, there is much to report. In March 2014, ACB and CVS Pharmacy announced a program to provide script talk, talking prescription labels for prescriptions ordered for Home delivery through its online pharmacy, CVS.com. The script talk labels provide a safe and convenient way to access information on prescription labels for individuals who are blind or visually impaired. The script talk labels are free to CVS.com pharmacy customers who are blind. Customers can also obtain a free script talk reader from Envision America that will enable them to listen to the information on the script talk label. This settlement was the result of ACB's collaboration with CVS Pharmacy, the American Foundation for the Blind, and the California Council of the Blind. ACB commends CVS Pharmacy for taking steps to provide speech access to label information for customers with vision loss along with its willingness to assess methods to improve large print labels and evaluate how it can effectively provide Braille labels. In June 2014, ACB announced a groundbreaking settlement with Walgreens, the nation's largest drugstore chain, launching a nationwide program offering talking prescription devices to customers with visual impairments. Walgreens is the first in the industry to offer its own exclusive prescription device called the Talking Pill Reminder at its retail locations nationwide. The device attaches to the prescription container and is provided free of charge with prescription medications that Walgreens dispenses to its pharmacy customers who are blind or visually impaired. The Talking Pill Reminder can be recorded to speak the information on the customer's prescription medication label and also has an audible alarm to remind patients when to take their medication. The Talking Pill Reminder is available to customers of the over 8,100 Walgreens retail pharmacy locations around the country and through the mail order service as well. The devices also are available in Walgreens drugstores for purchase for the retail price of $9.99 for people who are not visually impaired or do not have prescriptions from Walgreens. This initiative was the result of collaboration between ACB and Walgreens, the California Council of the Blind, and the Illinois Council of the Blind. In addition, we've received confirmation that all Duane Reed pharmacy locations, primarily in New York State, will also have the free talking prescription labels for blind pharmacy customers. Duane Reed is owned by Walgreens and has over 250 locations. More is happening on the effort to make sure that people with vision loss have independent access to prescription information. ACB is part of a structured negotiation effort with Caremark to obtain accessible prescription information from that mail-order pharmacy company, which we know impacts many blind federal employees and others. Caremark, connected to CVS but operated as a separate company, has been a solid, structured negotiation partner, and we hope to have something to announce on this before the end of the year. Laney and Linda are also working in other retail and mail-order pharmacies, including Rite Aid on the accessible prescription front. In addition to accessible prescription information, Laney and Linda continue to engage in other structured negotiations with ACB, its affiliates, and individual blind and visually impaired people around the country. Discussions in various stages continue, with Bank of America, Safeway, Charles Schwab, eTrade, Denny's, and WellPoint Health Insurance. WellPoint is a company that operates Blue Cross Blue Shield franchises across the United States. As a result of structured negotiation, the company is offering alternative format and accessible web and mobile experiences for patients who are blind and visually impaired. I need to comment briefly on developments surrounding ACB's effort regarding accessible currency. We continue to work with Jeffrey Levitkey, our pro bono attorney on the Bureau of Engraving and Printing case. Eric Bridges and I met in person at the Bureau of Engraving and Printing in October with a large group of staff from the Meaningful Access Unit. We received an update on research Developments and testing of currency with tactile features. We also had a demonstration of the updated iOS app iNote, which has been upgraded and is faster to use. ACB will not lose sight of the end goal of currency that people who are blind can identify by touch. In the area of guide dog access, rights, ACB has been involved with two cases. First, you may have heard about the experience of ACB member Albert Rizzi, a guide dog user who was ejected from a U.S. Airways flight on November 13, 2013. Because he was not able to put his guide dog far enough under the seat of the passengers sitting next to him, which did not seem to please the flight attendant. Mr. Rizzi had been assigned a seat at the rear of a small plane in the center of the bench seat with no passenger seat in front of him, since this was the aisle itself. The Air Carrier Access Act grants people who use guide dogs the right to full access to air travel accompanied in the cabin by their working dogs. It is the responsibility of each airline to ensure that personnel both understand and respect the rights of passengers who use guide dogs. ACB has called upon all airlines to guarantee that appropriate policies regarding the access rights of people who are blind traveling with guide dogs are in place, and that airline personnel who interact with passengers before, during, and after travel, receive appropriate training regarding the treatment of guide dogs and their handlers during all phases of travel. Given the number of years our access laws have been in place, there is no excuse for airline personnel to engage in practices that demean or discriminate against passengers who travel with guide dogs. Such conduct is not acceptable. We take this issue very seriously, and airlines should do likewise. Nothing less is acceptable. For discrimination against one guide dog user is discrimination against all of us. In a continuing investigative series documenting discrimination against guide dog handlers trying to get taxi cabs in Washington, D.C., WUSA Channel 9, DC's local CBS affiliate, conducted an undercover investigation with Melanie Brunson and Eric Bridges and field journalists to document the discrimination. I'd like to play an excerpt of an interview with Eric Bridges.
2: Of 42 cabs we tested last year, nearly half left our passengers on the street, charged them an unauthorized extra fee, or drop them off at the wrong destination without warning. In response to our investigation, the D.C. Office of Human Rights established a special online reporting page as part of an initiative to document taxicab discrimination. That passenger is Eric Bridges. He's an advocate with the American Council of the Blind. Watch as he and his dog try to hail D.C. cabs. Here, traffic slows to a crawl right in front of him. Blocked by that black Toyota, you can see the frame of a silver taxicab come into the shot. Like that tour trolley blocking the shot, that taxi is forced by traffic to stop right in front of the blind passenger. But you can see as soon as the trolley clears, that taxi left Eric standing in the rain. Instead of stopping for him, he stops for me 100 feet up the street. Bridges says blind passengers can't report it because without an observer, They don't even know it happened. We can't tell when we're being denied access. A year after our investigation, Bridges says nothing has changed on D.C. streets. What's so frustrating about all of this, Russ, is that oftentimes... I don't know that this is even taking place. <laughs> Using special software visit our link and submit a public He entered notes on the Office of Human Rights complaint form as we described what happened. But then another obstacle. Uh-huh. We found the D C system designed to take complaints from the disabled doesn't have software to accommodate the blind. The agency acknowledged the problem and agreed to take his complaint over the phone. So uh, this is a taxi cab complaint? Yes, it is. The agency accepted four official charges from Bridges and officials say that undercover video will be key in determining if those cabs violated DC discrimination law.
1: Next, the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and Urban Affairs and Sutherland & Brennan LLP, a law firm in Washington, D.C., filed a class-action lawsuit on behalf of the American Council of the Blind and federal contractors who were denied access to the website of the General Services Administration. The federal executive branch agency responsible for administering the federal government's non-defense contracts The complaint filed in federal district court in the District of Columbia alleges that the GSA has failed to provide a website accessible to blind federal contractors who must register annually and renew their federal contractor registration. The complaint names three individual federal contractors who are blind and the American Council of the Blind. GSA is responsible for those recipients of federal funding to comply with the Rehabilitation Act, which prohibits both the federal government and recipients of federal funding from discriminating on the basis of disability, including blindness. Doesn't it seem just a bit ironic that the agency charged with ensuring that others comply with the Rehabilitation Act Is not itself complying with the law. GSA is effectively telling federal contractors to do as I say, not as I do. Our goal is that SAM.gov become accessible to blind and visually impaired federal contractors and we won't rest until GSA has made it accessible. Now let me shift to television and audio description. Last fall, the Federal Communications Commission published final regulations requiring that virtually all TV and TV-like devices must be accessible through audio controls, guides, and menus. This action is the result of an unprecedented outpouring from the blindness community demanding greater accessibility. Many of you may recall that there had been attempts by some industry groups to thwart the intent of the 21st Century Communication and Video Accessibility Act, which has revolutionized the television viewing experience for people who are blind or visually impaired. ACB, along with the American Foundation for the Blind, successfully negotiated with leading industry advocates to draft a consensus that the FCC ultimately used to adopt the new rules. Under this consensus, virtually all TV and TV-like devices, inclusive of tablets and smartphones, receiving digital video programming must be accessible through audio controls. These requirements will go into effect in 2015. ACB's own audio description project continues to be active, advocating for all types of audio description, from television to live theater, museums, movies, and on DVDs. On the governmental affairs front, in December, Representative Carolyn Maloney, Democrat from New York, and Gus Bilirakis, Republican from Florida, Introduced H.R. 3749, the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage for Low Vision Devices Act of 2013. This bill seeks to right a wrong that the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, has perpetrated for many years through the denial of coverage of low vision devices for Medicare recipients. CMS has elected to very narrowly interpret the regulations so that devices that have one or more lenses are treated the same as eyeglasses. This interpretation is flat-out ridiculous. These tools are often essential for individuals with low vision who, without the aid of assistive technology, cannot read, product labels, medication bottles, handle their mail, pay bills, or manage their health and personal independence. Without the aid of such assistive technology, many more individuals will be forced into assisted living or nursing home facilities as our population ages. ACB will not accept this as the status quo. In February, Representative Matthew Cartwright, Democrat from Pennsylvania, and Stephen Stockman, Republican from Texas, introduced H.R. 4040, the Alice Cogswell and Anne Sullivan Macy Act. H.R. 4040 will improve the delivery of appropriate special education and related services to all students who are blind or visually impaired, as well as students who are deaf or hard of hearing. The introduction of this bill is a critical first step to ensure that the special education system can be transformed in a manner that will truly allow for blind and visually impaired students to succeed in a 21st century classroom. As many of you are aware, late last month, the House and Senate reached an agreement on the compromise bill language to reauthorize the provisions in the vocational rehabilitation program contained in the Workforce Investment Act. The compromise bill was H.R. 803, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, which was passed by the House and just this past week by the Senate. The bill keeps the Rehabilitation Services Administration, RSA, in the U.S. Department of Education. The RSA Commissioner remains a presidential appointment requiring Senate confirmation. The older blind program stays with RSA and is not moved to the US Department of Health and Human Services. For the better part of the last 20 years, ACB has worked with banks to ensure the customer experience for people who are blind or visually impaired is accessible. Whether we're talking about Braille statements or talking ATMs, ACB has led the way in working with the banking industry. Earlier this year, ACB was approached by JP. Morgan Chase to discuss the next generation of outreach that they were seeking to have with the blindness community. These discussions culminated in a day-long meeting held at the JP. Morgan Chase Headquarters in New York City where ACB was represented by Eric Bridges and Brian Charlson. This is a clear sign that JP Morgan Chase is taking accessibility very seriously. It was a great first step to kick off a next generation of banking accessibility for our community. ACB and JP Morgan Chase view this relationship as long-term and very valuable. Much of my work this year has been with what I call the ACB infrastructure. This includes the boards, the committees and task forces, and the Board of Publication. I want to give a special shout out to some of the significant communication initiatives undertaken by ACB's Strategic Plan Goal Group 1 on communication and the effort of the Board of Publications to bring information to members in new ways. Thanks to Larry Turnbull, you can now access the ACB forum and the ACB radio itself on the new ACB radio telephone system, 231-460-1040, where you can listen to the six ACB channels and the ACB Braille Forum and the ACB forum. For those using technology, To keep up with information, ACB is there for you as well through social media. You can like us on Facebook at American Council of the Blind Official or follow us on Twitter, ACB National. We urge you to share and retweet messages to your friends and colleagues to help us spread the word about ACB. We also continue to work hard to ensure that members without technology have a variety of options to get the ACB information they need. In closing, the American Council of the Blind and our thousands of members have much work to do over the next several years. Not simply to improve programs and services for blind and visually impaired people, but to hold on to what we fought so hard to obtain during the previous half century. We proudly represent all blind and visually impaired people regardless of economic status or functional ability. ACB advocates for a wide spectrum of programs and services for people of all ages and capabilities. Our work isn't always easy, And at times, it can be discouraging. Nonetheless, that is our charge and our mission. Our victories are even more exciting and satisfying as they are hard fought. And we should celebrate our successes as important steps in our advocacy. Working together, we can make change happen. And I look forward to working with all of you hand in hand to make sure that our dreams become reality. Thank you very much.
0: That was Kim Charlson, President of the American Council of the Blind. Her address to the opening assembly of the annual conference and convention of ACB was edited due to the time constraints of this program. You can hear her address in its entirety along with the other general session convention program speakers at acbradio.org acbconvention2014. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on Radio Information Services Nationwide, on Side 4 of the Braille Forum Cassette Edition, and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.